With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, RMU Colonial fans, and welcome back to another edition of The Tool Shed here on Colonial Sports Network, CSN, and the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Austin Bechtold, alongside my boys, as always, Tyler Gallo, Nick Hederick, and Ethan Morrison. And we're joined by a very special guest of the podcast today. Ethan, you've become really good friends with them, especially on Twitter. Tell us who's joining us. Today joining us is Chris Capella. He has a, he has a blog that covers Army men's basketball called ColonialsCorner.com. He started that uh, back in 2013, and now he's uh, blogging like blogging RMC Colonial Basketball like a geek. Chris, thank you for joining <laughs> us on the shed. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. You guys are doing great work. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's appreciated for some of us who can't be there. On, on the shed. That was a great transition there from the freshman. I thought of the SNL skit with Will Ferrell. Get off the shed. Get off the shed. Get off the shed, Brandon. Well, a tough weekend it was for the Colonials. On the road and probably their toughest battle to date against the Wright State Raiders. Losing game one Friday night, January 29th, 79-70 to the Raiders before collapsing in game two on that's, that's, Saturday. That's the soft way to put it there. They, yeah. they got absolutely routed in that game. When you lose by 30, 86 to 56, there's no way to put the final score nicely. <laughs> and that drops the team's overall record to three and nine, two and seven in conference play. Ethan, what did you make of the Colonials performance? And, you know, they were, they did pretty good in game one, especially in the first half. Things started to tail off in the second half. But what did you make of the team's performance in the first half before we go any further into the nightmare that was Game 2? Yeah, I mean, I want to start with a good um, Game 1. They played very well, especially in that early part, early stages of the first half. Uh, they had about a 10-point lead on Wright State early on. Um, along with that, I mean, they were out without A.J. Brahma, who's been tearing it up against Horizon League opponents all year long. Um, we don't really know why. He was he left he was gone he he didn't travel with the team so that was a big blow for them, but I mean Khalil Spear was able to step up in that game with 18 points, um, along with some of the guard play that we haven't really seen that much earlier in the year, especially the past couple of weekends with Cam Ferris and John Williams being big contributors that contributors there, but Saturday it was a completely different story. Uh, Colonials were able to uh, limit uh, Loud and Love on Friday wasn't able to get much done on the offensive side was amazing. Uh, against the Colonials on Saturday, uh, putting up, I think, 30 points in the win. So, I mean, just going off of these past two games, I mean, it was there was some good and then there was some bad. Uh, but you can't really say much more about playing against the top team and not having one of your best players out there. Right, and you saw some of those numbers there, Ethan, from Game 1. Cam Ferris, 16 points. John Williams, 14. Trayden Williams, 14. Nick, what did you make of the guard play overall? We really didn't get to see much from the forwards, especially with not having Brahma as your key forward, technically called guard as well. Well, I liked seeing the guards step up. I think that the big 
question that's been raised all year is who is the clear number two. Uh, but, I mean, it was good to see guys like Cam Ferris step up, who I think Gallo's been a big fan of all year as he nods his head in approval. Oh, yeah. I and, mean, a, as we battle my mic troubles that I'm under the impression. Yeah, I'm we having. are. Well, there are some mic troubles uh, for you, Nick. John Williams obviously stepped up, too. That veteran leadership uh, obviously paid in, uh, pays dividends. I can speak. Uh, At least the mic's working. Game one, though, I thought kind of felt like a game one or game two. We're getting lots of game one and game twos. I hate these double headers. Let's get things back to normal soon. Uh, felt a lot like game two of the Northern Kentucky game, I felt like. They had a really nice run. Thought, you, hey, maybe they'll do something, and then it just slowly kind of faded away. Yeah, a 17-point lead in that Northern Kentucky game that just completely went away in a puff of smoke. Really want to talk about how big of homers the home announcers are in the Horizon <laughs> League. Oh, yeah. They were so confident this game was going to be a blowout. Army was down like five points in the second half, and they kept talking about Bronze Bob. They're like, wow. They came back from like two Bob. commercial breaks. Like, you know, Bronze Bob there at RMU. The, the, and like their star players gone, and four guys are in double figures right now, and you're talking about our statue in the Bernie Sanders. The, <laughs> the students love taking pictures with Bronze Bob. You know, I wasn't necessarily under that impression as a student, but... I guess the Horizon League and ESPN thinks that's the case. I, 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 like I said, it's just so funny to be not even to sound like a homer myself, but I think our music announcers do the best job of not coming off as like a oh man, or, you know, when their yeah. team's doing bad. <laughs> Chris, have you ever taken a picture of Bronze Bob? You, you, see, this is where we have an age gap because Bronze Bob was put onto campus. What what year did they say? Two thousand thirteen. Is that right? What, I, I cannot any, tell I don't you a thing about the I, history yeah. of Bronze Bob. Yeah, All right, well, well Bron, so I went to Robert Morris from 2011 to 2015, and Bronze Bob, he was kind of a big deal. I, I don't know. I'm sorry, boys. Oh, well. Well, yeah. I mean, when I did go on my tour, they did say, and this is Bronze Bob, and he looks cool in the summer, and they put sunglasses on him. Yeah, Bronze Bob's a cool guy. He, he, was pretty, he was a pretty big deal. He was huge the when the Chuck was here. Yeah, yeah, those were the ancient times now. <laughs> yeah. Tyler, what did you make of RMU's Game 1 performance? They were 100% from the free throw line. That was a problem in the past. Well, yeah, they had two shots. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I spoke to Austin while we were at the women's basketball game when it was announced that Brown was going to be out, and I said, look, Khalil Spears is going to show up tonight, and I think he's going to yes, prove why he's one of the better players on the team and why he deserves more of a spot. I mean, we've been tooting his horn pretty much all year, and this is exactly why 18 points last night. Um, and I'm really happy with how Cam Ferris played as well. He's a guy that's a huge piece of this team going forward, and I think, you know, he showed last night why he is just that. But, you know, they fell apart a little bit after the half, as teams normally do against Wright State. I'm not discounting Wright State at all, but they were able to keep down Love, but with Love down, in came Grant Basile. Yeah, and Khalil Spear, like you mentioned, Tyler, great game, probably his best game. You know, I don't even think it's – it's a fact. It was his best game as a Colonial Chris, what did you make of just how Robert Morris has gotten to this point and how they played in Game 1, sticking with Wright State for a little bit until the back end of the second half? Hmm. Well, I think the, the first game against Wright State was was really one of the better performances that this team has played all season. They played hard. Uh, they played with great energy. They made some really big shots. They had a million chances to get the doors blown off of that game, and they stayed in it. Uh, obviously, it wasn't enough. That was a that's they're going to have trouble beating any team without AJ Brahma. And when you're facing a team like Wright State, who is right now on Kempom, 65th in the country, you know we're talking about an an elite mid major program right now. 
So without AJ Brahma, that's going to be a tough game to win. I thought they played really well. As for, as for the season at large, you know, it's just it's just so tough to get into rhythm, to knock down your rotations, to have the development of young and inexperienced players to gel as a team when you've had a, three different COVID pauses now. You've played one game in conference against Milwaukee without your two starting guards. Uh, and now you play the most talented team in the conference without your best player. So they've only played, they've only played what, 12 games now? And they've played really only nine games with a full team. And one of those was against an NAIA school. So, you know, it, it's just, it's just tough. This is a program that really values, you know, practice and continuity and working hard and doing those things uh, the right way. And it's really hard to develop those things when you're not playing consistent basketball. So that, that was a long-winded response. Thank you for staying with me there. Yeah, of course. And Colonial's on a six-game losing streak now. Ethan, what what did you make of the the game two performance from RMU now? You know, obviously not having Brahma and losing in game one. Going into game two, you would think that you feel okay about where you are because in game one you kept it close. You had the momentum at times. You never let the game truly slip away out of your grasp into a blowout. Why do you think the game just turned flat on its head today? I mean, you can see that they were undersized. Uh, Loud and Love was just uh, really good in the paint today, really good inside, along with Grant Basile. Um Defensively, I mean, they struggled, obviously, today. Uh uh, but um, just they weren't able to make they were, they weren't able to make some shots they that they made on Friday night, which really kept them in that game. And um, I I, feel, I really think the guard play struggled once again today. Um, I just really didn't think they were all all together there. And I mean, also you, again, not with Brahma. Um, I just feel like they were outmatched. Yeah, pretty much outmatched. And when you have when you're expecting going into this game that it's going to be a marquee matchup between at the time the leading scorer in the Horizon League and the leading rebounder in the Horizon League being Brahma going up against the star that Loud and Love is. You expect a back-and-forth battle between those two. Not exactly cancel each other out, but try to match blow for blow against each other. And when you don't have Brahma in that game to combat the offensive star that Love is, and especially was in Game 2 with 34 points, Tyler, I don't... You know, this frustrates me. Not having, not being able to see the matchup of what Love versus Brahma could have been. Yeah, it's definitely frustrating not having Brahma. Obviously, it's he's the best player on the team, no doubt. But it also allows allows the players to step up that don't often get the spotlight, like Khalil Spear, like Cam Ferris, you know, like Traden Williams. All these guys, um, Ethan's favorite player, Traden Williams. Um, but yeah, you know, not he having him. He your favorite player, Ethan. I didn't know that. Behind the, behind the eight ball going in, he has a love hate relationship with Traden Williams. Uh, behind the eight ball going in, obviously tough, but they responded. They were it showed the resiliency of this team. They didn't get the result they wanted, obviously with the win. But you know, can't fault them for the performance they put out in the first game. I hey, think that Traden Williams could have a nice ball handling camp in the summer if he wanted to run one. But you know, let's leave, let's leave the shooting one for someone else. I <laughs> Nick. I, I think that. We've talked about it a lot. It's just that the Horizon League is a lot more big-heavy than the NEC was. And losing A.J. Brahma, I think, really just showed how fortunate they are that they have guys like Stone and Winston coming in next semester. Or it would be next semester. Yeah, it, yeah, it would next be, semester, yeah. yeah. Next, next, next season. season, next semester. I think it showed how good having some depth down low is going to uh, play out for them just because 
it was very obvious, despite the efforts of Khalil Spear and them, um, that they just do not have the depth necessary to go up against, you know, these Horizon League teams that have two really big threats down low. Austin and I saw Stone and uh, Winston shooting around on our way out of the women's basketball game yesterday. Yes, we did. And Stone is as big as everyone says he is. Yeah, Sto- I mean, Stone. I would hope the urban legend. <laughs> <laughs> the urban legend of the stat sheet and the box score, yes. He, well, he if, if you guys don't mind, I don't think it's just. Um, you know, I don't think it's just the size. I think it's the experience too yeah, with with some absolutely. of these big men. When when you have Pat Sumanik playing pretty significant minutes for you today, and you know, I think he he held his own, all things considered. When you match the expectations for him versus someone like Loud and Love, but right now, I think a lot of the the big men. Um, take a look at Elisa, who I thought played a pretty decent weekend as well. But Elisa shoots himself in the foot every other possession. You know, he's yeah. setting bad screens or. Um, you know, he's really uh, a net negative on offense. When him and Wilbon are on the floor together, you're playing three on five offensively. So that's that's tough. The same goes for Sumanik. And Khalil Spear ha- has flashes, no doubt. And in that first game, I thought he played fantastic on Friday night. But Spear gets lost defensively just as much as he makes a great play. I mean, how many times did he double too late? Or was he staring at a, at a, at a pass, at a cutter? And for, you know, as great of a shot blocker as he has shown he can be at times, he doesn't do that for the the full amount of time that he's on the floor. Yeah, and there were times where he left Basili wide open um, and would, would try to double, um, like you said, double to a little late. But, yeah, you uh, put that – hit the nail on the head there with uh, Elisa. I mean, uh, net negative um, sometimes he just – it doesn't seem like – I mean, he just is a little lanky and just doesn't use that to his advantage. You know, he's got the great wingspan and the ability to get those blocks, but when it, when it comes to that, it really doesn't – he really doesn't get, get those. No. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a project. He's still, he's still working. Um, you know, he played 13 minutes today. Uh, he grabbed seven rebounds in 13 minutes, which is – you know, they, they got crushed on the boards today, but he, he really did his part. He was one of the only guys who did his part today. So he, he's getting there. I think uh, – Sumanik probably earned a few more minutes and, and you know Charles Bain is is really just playing himself out of out of the rotation at this point he got benched today after just standing around on the defensive end and I, I don't think he I don't think he played for we, much of the well we've half. seen a lot of we've what, seen a lot of that at times what, what do you make of Charles Bain yeah uh, oh geez that's a <laughs> I mean if if I could solve that question for you I, I think tool might put me on the staff uh, <laughs> you know I, I I don't I don't know I've don't really remember seeing a regression like his. He really looked like a guy who uh, was going to to potentially be a star in the NEC. This was before the Horizon League, but you know his sophomore his sophomore year he shot thirty five percent from the three point line. And I, I wish I could tell you what happened because he's just um you know he's just gone worse quite frankly every, every year since then. Well, he, I, I don't know. He just looks lost, Chris. I don't know what it is when he's out there. He gets the ball. And it seems like at times he just he seems so timid of what to do. He can't make up his mind. He can't make up a, figure out a decision of what he wants to do if he gets the ball in his hands. And whenever he makes any bit of a take towards the basket, it's not a strong take. And he's, yeah. been, he's been getting bodied down low. I mean, he's never ever been strong around the rim. He really he he plays like a guard, you know. But unfortunately, Robert Morris, especially without AJ Brahma, you know. They, they don't need another guard out there. They're already small to begin with. They need someone to bang bodies down there, and Bain is not that guy. And and he plays like a guard, but unfortunately, he's shooting 3 of 25 from the three-point line this year. Mm. So he, he might want to play like a guard, but he's not producing like one either. So 
there's just really not a role for him when he's not making shots and he can make shots, but I, I think that might be, I mean, it feels like something of the past now. Yeah. yeah. And we've, we've also seen a very rare three from him. We witnessed uh, last week. Yeah. Also. And we've seen another, another guy, another guard that we want to talk about that we've had, we, we don't know what's going on with him either. And we've discussed it for the past couple of weeks. What do you make of Dante Tracy in his play this season? Tracy, 35 minutes in game two, and he had six points. He had no points overall in the game before. What do you make What do you make of Tracy? I think he's probably playing without a lot of confidence right now is, is the main thing. Um, I see a guy who's still getting the shots that he wants to get. Um, there was a perfect example in the game today. He, he made a nice move to the rim. He attacked. He's a lefty who had an easy left-handed layup, and he, he just missed. I don't know if he was anticipating contact or, or what it may be, but I just think he's, you know, he didn't shoot the ball well for a few games there, and now suddenly looks looks really tentative to me. Uh, just, just not a lot of confidence. I, I hope it's something that he can break out of because I still think that he, he's making good decisions on the basketball floor for the most part, uh, but he just needs to be a little more assertive for himself there are times where you know he gets to the elbow and he has a he has an open jumper if he wants to take it but he'll kick out he kicked one out to Khalil Spear for three today and it's like it was a good pass but you're passing up a really good shot so you can kick it out to a three-point shooter who's a 30% three-point shooter you know overall it's probably better if you're the one taking that two-point jump shot so and, and I think in the past he would have but I think right now we're just he, there's just not a lot of confidence in in himself right now yeah we've, we've seen often him try to make the perfect pass um instead of taking up that shot we've seen it so many so many times these last and couple he's of got series. a great ability to pass the ball oh yeah he makes mm-hmm. no look passes with the best of them but um his problem is he'll get in he'll get that open chance and he won't take it and that and you know that really uh just the mental block that it is it might, it might just be a mental block and you know that might just be his problem right now hopefully he can get out of the slump he's in right now well, zoom out even bigger picture than that because – so you have Dante Tracy who's really just not taking a lot of shots. And especially without A.J. Brahma, but even with A.J. Brahma, you, you need somebody else to score the basket for you. And is John Williams going to be that guy? He kind of was today, but typically he's not an aggressive player. So when you have Tracy not taking shots and John Williams not taking shots and your center, whoever it is, whether it's – uh, Bain or Sumanik or Elisa, uh, they're not making shots for you. Cam Wilbon's not making shots for you. This is what I'm saying. Th- those guards are experienced players and talented players, and they need to be aggressive, especially Dante, who has great, great ability. And John needs to keep up the aggression that we saw today, Saturday, in Saturday's game, because he has that ability too. But when those guys are, are playing passive and just always looking for the better pass, you know, sometimes I think it actually hurts the offense. Josh Williams is not here to put up 15 threes and help this offense out anymore. Exactly, yes. Nick, what do you think the key is going to be going forward for this team to maybe find any bit of momentum as we go down the stretch and they're going to have a chance to compete in the Horizon League Conference Tournament no matter what happens? Well, A.J. Brahma needs to come back. (laughs) Believe it or not, I think that's number one. I think so. Number two, still what I've said for three weeks now, we need a clear number two. We need a clear guard to take over. We saw four guys reach double figures yesterday, which I keep harping on. 
you know, we need someone else. We need somebody, one of those four. I don't care who to step up and say, okay, you know, if Brahma's in a tough spot, I'm the guy that can take over. I'm the guy that's going to produce and facilitate for this team. And, I mean, they have winnable games coming up. Aside from mm-hmm. Oakland, the rest of these teams that they're playing, Detroit Mercy and uh, I believe Youngstown State that's left on their schedule, I mean, those are teams just above them. So there's a chance they can make a bit of a run here. And I believe every team's making the conference tournament now, so that's yeah. not going to matter as much. But there's a chance you can get a more favorable matchup um, going out on this last slate of six games here. A run into the middle of the conference is the best thing that this team can shoot for at the, at the moment. Ethan, what do you think just overall that the team's mentality and mindset is after this six-game losing streak? Do you think the team still has any hope or focus? Oh, yeah. I mean, you got, you got the playoffs to look forward to. You got an easier schedule to look forward to. I mean, I just feel like they just need to they just need to focus on more more of the details. I mean, we've seen them struggle at times on the defensive side of the ball, and then um, especially last week against Northern Kentucky, and then we we see them this week put on a play very well. They're they're just so inconsistent at times. I feel like if they can just play a complete game uh, going into this easier part of the schedule with Detroit Mercy and Oakland coming up in the next couple of weeks, I think you can see this team kind of start to mold into what we see uh, some of the teams in the past have been able to do. And, Chris, we brought up this point in the past where the thought of, you know, going to a new conference is obviously going to be difficult, especially when it's a higher level of competition than the NEC was. That's, that's, just, a, that's just basically a fact. Every, everybody pretty much knows that. No fault to the NEC, mm-hmm. but that's just, that's just kind of how – that's just the style of basketball that it is. And especially with COVID playing a factor with these team with the Colonials missing so many games because of COVID protocols and not having guys for games, do you think that you know obviously this season isn't a pass, but do you think that this season is going to be looked at down the road in a little bit, maybe in a couple months, as a season that you know had so many challenges, so many roadblocks that for the Colonials to be able to get where they did that I guess it was just an okay season and we'll take it for that yeah I I think if things kind of stay on the course that they're at where you know maybe they win a few more games down the stretch here but don't really make any noise in the conference tournament uh first it's a bummer because you always want to make a strong impression uh in in your first year in a new conference you know it's just it's just human nature um you don't want to be seen as some pushover that came from a low major conference and uh that was the only reason for their success you know um i i think just overall uh you kind of throw this season out you you know there there are plenty of excuses and whether you know you want to make excuses or whether you think they're valid the reality of their situation is they've played 13 games and you know february is tomorrow uh and usually they're playing 13 their 13th game in the second or third week of december so you kind of throw this year out, I think. Uh, maybe that's just me trying to cope with the season. But I think you kind of throw this year out and say, we're never going to have another season like this where it's going to be start and stop, where we're going to just keep missing our best players for for illnesses or whatever it may be. And uh, you make adjustments. I mean, there, there's no doubt they can't just run it back next year. I mean, that's that's got to be pretty close to agreed upon. They're, right. they're, they're very small. Um, you know, there are definitely some changes. And, and they've got guys coming in who – will hopefully help that next year. But um, I, I think there is there are plenty of reasons that we're seeing the season that we're seeing right now. Yeah, a couple of transfers coming in, as we've mentioned, Winston and mm-hmm. Stone. They're going to add add the needed size for this team. Tyler, looking at it right now, if you would 
have to put anything together. Say you're putting together a column or anything. Would you chalk this season up to be in any reason whatsoever any part of a success? Uh, you can't really view a COVID season as a success, I, in my opinion, especially the way that they've just, um, as we've mentioned, start and stop. They've lost players for for games that they should, probably shouldn't have in a normal season. Um, and then, yeah, it, it's just a lost season. You can say it's a lost season. If they do make get any anywhere past the first round in the conference, maybe it's sort of a success. It's a surprise, but I, I just don't really see – this being viewed as a successful season, especially with being ranked fourth in the preseason poll and then finishing 12th now. That's a good point. Ethan, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's been a rough season. Um, they've, they've been – they've paused three times. They've, they've lost – they haven't been able to play with some starters like John Williams and Dante Tracy and in, some of the, in, in one of the games. I mean, they lost Charles Bain due to an injury, but – um, they really haven't had Charles Bain no, all season. No, they haven't the had him he wants anyway. Um, haven't seen like the the really the, um, we haven't really seen Dante Tracy take that step up that we really thought he would have um, going into his junior year, especially after winning the NEC, NEC MVP tournament MVP. Mm-hmm. Just not seeing him step up. Um, but I mean, you see these young freshman guards, um, Enoch Cheeks, Cam Ferris. Uh, trade on Williams if you want to include him, but um, you see those guys. I mean, they're 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 trying to still find their way, um, but I feel like they're they're uh, the Army Colonials are really uh, set up good for the future. Just with those guys coming in this year, kind of figuring stuff out and then moving forward. I think they have they're really set up in the future. I think you can take away the fact that you got your first season of a new conference under your belt and you know the play style, you know what to expect, and you have that excuse of it was the COVID season. Yeah, that's the excuse. We went through our growing pains during the COVID season, so there's no like, ah, damn, you know? Um, I think you can take comfort in that. I think you can take some – I don't know if comfort was the right word to use there. But this is a team that had, what, three games canceled in a row, played UIC, and took them to overtime on night two after not playing for about two weeks. Then a good showing against Northern Kentucky, both games, I'd say – this weekend, you lose A.J. Brahma unexpectedly. Uh, they play very well. Have uh, Loud and Love have hit, get him into some trouble in the first night uh, in terms of shooting. Uh, granted, they couldn't stop. What was the other guy's name? I already forgot. Basili. Basili. Yeah, yeah Basili so went off. I, mm. I almost said Bastille. Um, Those two are going to be really, really good uh, together. By the, by the, uh, Basili is going to be outstanding. Uh, he's, I love his senior. So Basili had 29 wrong, but, on Friday. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I mean, mean, but they got they got love shut down, I guess, which is something to take away. They did. Uh, he only had seven. But they they've competed in at least one game out of the two with some of the better teams they've played this year. So I mean, there's some positives you can take away. But at the end of the day, you pause three times, you get a bunch of your non-conference games wiped out. I mean, let's take it for what it is. They learned they'll they're going to grow, and they have some good pieces coming in next year. And they got to play. I mean, that's all you can pretty much say. I mean, about. if we're really yeah. taking some <laughs> Yeah, I mean, everybody technically got to play college basketball this year. Not but. Ivy League. <laughs> they're not there True. to play school. Yeah. <laughs> or they're not there they're to, to play, play sports. They are there to play school. Well, when you look at the Horizon League, too, I mean, with everybody making the conference tournament, I think Wright State, talent-wise, is in a class of its own. No doubt. Cle- Cle- Cleveland State's very good as well. But once you get past those top two teams – I mean, Robert Morris almost beat Northern Kentucky once. They did beat Milwaukee. Uh, they they went to OT with 
with UIC and and who else? Who am I who am I missing on the schedule here? Um, they played PFW too. Northern Kentucky, I believe. Northern Kentucky, yeah, Northern yeah, Kentucky. that's right. That's right. Northern Kentucky and, and UIC were both overtime games, and they beat Milwaukee and they beat Purdue, Fort Wayne. So you know, some of those teams are going to be like at the top of the conference. So it's not like this is you know some impossible task once you get into the conference tournament. I believe the one and two seeds are getting buys or the top four seeds. I, I don't even remember at this point, but you know, like they they can win a game or two in the conference tournament as well, especially if they don't go on any more pauses and they're just playing, you know, basketball every weekend. That's going to that's gonna make a huge difference. Oh, do we miss playing basketball? And we wish that we can go out there and play basketball as well, but that's a oh, man. topic it's for another, another discussion. Yeah. But, so, Robert Morris will be playing Youngstown State next weekend, hosting the Penguins. Women's basketball hosted the Penguins this week. Men's basketball hosts the Penguins next week. And Youngstown State's coming off of two losses at home to Detroit Mercy, losing by three on Friday, 78-75, and then by five on Saturday, 77-72. to Ethan, what do you think of the Penguins overall this season? They're 8-10. and They're 4-10 in conference play, losing two in a row, and they're 3-6 and on the road. Yeah, I mean, Youngstown State, we thought they, they, I mean, they beat – Wright State on a buzzer beater earlier in a conference earlier in uh, the month of January. So, I mean, I mean, they beat them. Um, just, I feel like, I don't know what to say. I mean, they're, so they're struggling in conference play. They're four and they're what, what's their conference record? Four, they're, they're, they're four and 10. ten. Four yeah. And ten yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're struggling right now. Uh, this would be a good big series for them to kind of take, to at least split, split in that head into the final couple of weeks of conference play, but kind of a big series yeah. for, Two Both teams, average yeah. teams this season to be able to find any momentum going down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also, I mean, they, they have an experienced guard in Darius Quisenberry, uh, who's been really well for them, averaging 13 points per game. So, I mean, that's an, that's one guy for Robert Morris to look out for. But, I mean, I feel like it's going to be a very good matchup between two teams that really need to win. Yeah, Tyler, what do you make of the Penguins and the matchup for Robert Morris coming into it? They, they, they need a win. Well, yeah, obviously that's the biggest thing, but if they can control Quisenberry, who was in on the whole all horizon league first team, like they did loud and love, I think that there's a big chance for them to win both games. If they can shut him down this weekend, they put got to put all, a lot of their focus on him. Cause he's the, the, the lifeblood of that offense, much like AJ Brahma was uh, for this team. So yeah, if they can do that, I think they have a good shot against Youngstown state, especially being at home. Cause they've put up some good, good performances here. They collapsed a bit against Northern Kentucky the last time they were here, but I think they can put up a better performance last, against the other guys. Last time these two teams faced off was on December 4th, 2019. Colonials traveled to Youngstown to face the Penguins and lost by 11, 81 to 70 in that game. Your leading scorer in that game? Anybody want to anybody take a guess? You're not going to get it. What year was it? 2019. This was last season. Oh, last year. Yeah. Yanni Smendi. No. Jalen Hawkins had Jaylen 17 Hawkins. points. Oh, my. No longer on the team. And the second leading hey, scorer. No DJ Russell. Second leading scorer was Savion McEwen with 13. <laughs> that was your. And they both came off the bench. So. And, you, and, and Robert Morris lost that game? You're kidding. And they no lost way. that game. Yeah. No starter was in double figures. I miss Jalen Hawkins. Just, just a just a quick note on on YSU Quisenberry's actually been out. Um, I haven't seen anything on how long he's going to be out for. I don't know if he's going to be playing next weekend or not. Um, he was definitely hobbled around at the at the start of the season. He was a DMP their first game of the year. He came back. He was playing high minutes, but he wasn't. He didn't look very great. 
and he's been out. So Naz Bohannon is going to be the really big focus for Robert Morris. And, and Youngstown State, a really good offensive team, really bad defensive team. So um, it's going to be tough if Brahma isn't there to match up against Naz Bohannon. Uh, this is going to be a, a you know a really really tough matchup because Robert Morris is going to have to go bucket for bucket with these guys, and I don't know if it's something that they can do without Brahma. So that'll be it's going it could be a tough series. Yeah, and Bohannon had um, 20 points in the Penguins' last game against Detroit Mercy on Saturday, and as you mentioned, Chris Quisenberry did not play, so it's definitely going to be something to keep your eye on to be able to see if he's back to go for that game or what's going to happen in that situation. But, yeah, the last time these two teams matched up, A.J. Brahma did not play, and the top two starters were coming off the bench. Nick, <laughs> who is a key player to watch out for that you think needs to step up? We say it every week, and it seems like it doesn't happen. doesn't happen this week against the Penguins. Well, it did happen with, it did happen with Cliff Bear. He did play really well. But who do you think needs to be the catalyst Listen, other than Spear? I've come on this show mm-hmm. for a month and said Dante Tracy or John Williams or, you know, every week, and every week it doesn't happen. Are you so going to ring the same bell? I don't know why we're still asking the question because it doesn't seem like <laughs> well, we're Well, because maybe we need answer. a different answer. Cam Ferris. Okay. Cam Ferris is the man. <laughs> I love his shot. He had a great game Friday. Cam Ferris. Cam Ferris was my freshman to watch at the beginning my of the My freshman year. to watch transferred from the team. So He did. Well, yeah. Anybody else have anything to add as the Colonials look to take some type of momentum into the rest of the season after a six-game losing streak and really nothing going well for them at all right now? Well, one of us four will definitely be there. Yes. That's, that's for sure. Um, There'll probably be a couple of us there covering it. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, it's uh got to be once again got to see the the ball spread around a little bit if they want to continue cuz they don't have one guy that's going to jump out i mean if some guy if one player on this team does have a good game it's probably going to be Cam Ferris or it's probably going to be John Williams but i uh, i just hope they can sort of right the ship a little bit in these last couple of games last couple of series they couldn't right the ship against right state haha <laughs> puns ethan what are your thoughts Wow. Yeah, I mean, I've, I just feel I know like that they was need, bad. They need, carry, the they, they need to they need to carry some momentum going into the uh, to the rest of the series. I mean, I feel like a split would be very good for them moving into a game, uh, series against Oakland, which is at home, and then finishing it off with Detroit Mercy to to end off the to end off the regular season heading into the tournament. So I feel like a split here would be ideal for them. Uh, if they could sweep, that's even that's really even better. That gets them on the right track. Uh, losses, sweeps to or against, rather, UIC, Northern Kentucky, and Wright State to put the Colonials in this position. Chris, what are your final thoughts on what the team needs to do moving forward? Oh, boy. Um, well, I think a lot of it's going to hinge on on Brahma and if he's back and if he can continue playing at the level that he's playing on. When, when he's at his best, he's as good as anybody in the conference, and he gives you an opportunity to win a game because of uh, his ability. Um and, and then, yeah, it's just kind of trying to further understand these rotations and, and what you're getting out of the future, um, you know, especially with Eno Cheats, if, if he's going to be around, uh, if he's going to keep playing. I, I don't know what the situation is with him. He was obviously a DMP, uh, didn't sound like he traveled with the team this weekend too. So, um, you know, there, there are a lot of really tough decisions to make, and I think what we're going to see are just players who are going to play hard and 
make sound decisions, uh, getting some time on the floor, whether that's Sumanik or Nagandi or uh, Wilbon, whoever it is. Um, so I, I think, you know, guys are really going to have to earn their keep to, to be on the floor from here on out. Yeah, the depth players on the roster definitely need to step up, and it's going to be a challenge for the team, seeing what's going to happen after this six-game losing streak, but see if they can bounce back coming up at home against the Penguins. But, Chris, we want to thank you for coming on the Tool Shed with us. We really enjoyed you spending some time with us and discussing how the season's going so far. Of course, guys. Thank you so much for having me. So that does it for this episode of the Tool Shed. For Tyler Gallo, Nick Hedrick, and Ethan Morrison, I'm Austin Bechtold. We will be back to talk about the Colonials matchup against the Youngstown State Penguins after the Colonials host the Penguins Friday, February 5th at 7 o'clock and Saturday, February 6th with tip-off at 5.